racism comes from hate and as far as I'm concerned the spirit of hate would probably be one of the strongest um, and most ancient of the spirits if yes. you know, the spirits have different ages so I think if if people want to go up against that then they better have something really strong at their side <laughs> um, yeah and I think that it's easy to be to be consumed by the thing you're trying to fight if you go up against it unprepared Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. On this show, we have a wonderful guest who is from Nigeria. He is a former student of Concordia University's music program, but he also is somebody who I'm really hopeful uh, will be, be a, a power player in African philosophy. And he has a great insight into the strains in this country when it comes to uh, politics and anger and hatred. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to see a way in which he can offer us some helpful insights into the ways in which we in America are processing and acting out our values within the relationships we have, but also with respect to our online kind of quasi-relationships. It's a lot of fun we're going to be having. We're going to get into some uh, some of the story of what's going on in Nigeria right now and the pandemic and how that's affected them. But hold on to your seats. Come along for the ride. Let's go. for such a treat today because we are in this new world the year's 2021 <laughs> and we are almost like in the same room with a former student from Concordia University Irvine who is now back in Nigeria but it sounds like we're right in the same spot uh Godesola Bawa I am so glad that you came on the show you've written a piece for us in the uh very you know um kind of low-key spot where we have uh, we have articles every once in a while from guests and ourselves on protectyournoggin.org and we want to talk about that and we want to talk about kind of the ideas that you had there but before we do if you don't mind would you tell us for us who are listening from perhaps the united states uh, or anywhere besides nigeria how are things in nigeria especially with um, the different ways that countries are dealing with the pandemic and, and uh, coronavirus. Give us an update, yeah. my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty interesting in Nigeria because I, I mean, I was in Irvine uh, a month ago ish. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of such a difference because people here don't really care uh, mm. Because, I mean, people have their masks on. I don't know why they do, because it's usually not actually on their faces. They just have their masks <laughs> on. Uh, and everyone is just kind of chilling out and doing their thing. And like I was at church. I've been going to my church, and it's open. And everyone is just kind of doing pretty mm -hmm. normal church things. Um, there are procedures in place. They tell people not to hug and to space out and everything. Everyone is saying the things, but... Everyone is basically doing whatever they want. Uh, so that's, that, that's been very interesting to see. Uh, Case-wise, well, I mean, as far as we know, I think we're probably experiencing a spike in cases. Mm. Um, but still, in the day-to-day -day social aspects of life, everyone is really pretty much just chilling out. Mm. So that's mm. interesting. Yeah. Now, I know that in some places in Africa, and I know Africa is a big place. This is how we get into a lot of trouble. We just think of Africa as one place. But, um, but for some reason, the weird thing about this pandemic is that it has disproportionately affected 
like say older people. So younger mm-hmm. people are, are not as affected, which is, which is great. As far as I'm concerned, it's sad when an older person gets it. When you had things in the past, like, um, uh, like polio, where it would affect kids on mm-hmm. a playground mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that's heavy in a way that is, is really hard to bear. And then a lot of the time, um, you know, certain, uh, like in, in this case, I've heard that for some reason, it just hasn't been as deadly in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. When you think about the rates, do you, do you know a lot of extended family that have, have had real severe cases? I mean, do you, is that something that's going on? Well, I think I was talking to my dad about this a little bit ago. He said he knew a few people who have passed away from what they're pretty sure is COVID, but Uh, they were all old and had kind of asthma and breathing mm -hmm. problems already. Right. Uh, So it's that, that kind of thing. Uh, As for the weird in parentheses immunity that it looks mm-hmm. like Africans have. It's weird. I mean, it's something we joke about because we say, you well, do. You know, we're Africans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we have malaria. And right. Right, so right. It's not, yeah. It's, it's not like it's an easy, easy road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, people joke about that all the time, but how we're probably immune to it. Uh, and so, I mean, it's not something I would like to test, but it's, it's something that, people kind of believe like they kind of have this mm. oh we're pretty we're pretty strong like even if we someone does get it like they'll probably just shake it off because <laughs> sure. rub a little yeah, maybe on there yeah yeah maybe that's why everyone's chilling out so much but it's interesting well the great thing about your vantage point is that you're going to be able to to kind of shed some light on something that's interesting. I I really think it's a fascinating take that you've got on America. You were here. Thanks for studying with us. It's great. You know, it's great to have you as, as part of the community, but you came to the United States at a very strange time. Mm -hmm. It was a time when there was a lot of tensions that were probably always there, but it became more likely for um, political divisions to, to break up friendships families, and then to intensify uh, even, uh, you know, hatred within the country related to racial and ethnic um, issues. Uh, mm-hmm. There was the police violence that was that was really in the forefront of our attention in, in the summer. And, and yet, you were able to notice the way that we dealt with it. And you, you just had some questions. You don't have all the answers, but you have some really important questions. So, so could you maybe just for the listeners restate what, what the basic question you were asking in that essay that we published? Yeah, maybe. sure. Yeah. The, the basic question is, well, there is hating evil and loving good. And it seems as though there's a connection between the two because they kind of sound like the same thing, but at the same time, it seems self-evident, at least to me, that they really aren't. And there is some difference. And it might be an extremely important difference. And I think it probably bothered me a little bit because it seemed as though uh, people were hating evil in a really hardcore way, Mm. perhaps in part because they thought it was the same thing as just loving good and devoting yourself to righteousness and justice and everything. But it seemed as though this uh, love for goodness manifested itself as a form of hate and Mm -hmm. so it was really weird to see Uh, and so my question is basically on those two things if they're the same thing or just what the relationship is is uh, between them Uh, and that's basically the core questions and then a bunch of other smaller questions popped out Mm -hmm. from that main idea Mm. fascinating question it's both a question about god (laughs) and about Mm -hmm. us you know well yeah and and definitely that when you look at like the things that come out of hate right and and what does that look like and how does it manifest itself versus what comes out of love right and Mm -hmm. so uh they look very very different and Mm -hmm. i would think that um it's that the hate part kind of lends itself to a pretty scary world (laughs) Mm -hmm. internally yeah i mean we've noticed in, in in a lot of our weekends we spend in this uh, beach parking and we're kind of secluded, but we like, I'm an extrovert. So I need to see action, but I'm not really hanging out with the action, but I get to see the action. And I've noticed a lot of people, they're expressing their, their identity through their anger. 
So I am, I am properly angry, always kind of got an angry frown on, on their face. I know there are all sorts of stereotypes about Africans, but one of, one of the ones that uh, I would like to run by you that I, uh, that I might hold is that Africans tend, all my friends who are from Africa tend to be much more capable of jumping into happiness. A lot of the time, Americans think if you get too happy, that must mean you're a sucker or somebody's duping you. You know, you got to, even if you're happy inside, you can't, you know, did you notice that at all? That uh, sometimes Americans have a hard time expressing their joy. Like they're always kind Mm. of suspicious. Mm. I I would probably say so. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, it's weird to put into words because I'm not exactly sure why that might be Uh, maybe. And as unfortunate as it might sound, maybe we've just kind of gotten better at finding happiness wherever we can, because it's, it's, can be really hard to do that sometimes mm-hmm. uh again the absence of so many of the things that make life easy and make life uh you know make life fun you kind of have to you learn to naturally just look for the small things and really appreciate them uh and maybe that's a problem that uh, that americans have there's just kind of there's just too much going on and a lot mm-hmm. of the things going on might be good things but that that's a problem on its own because uh it's hard to it's hard to, to seek the good things and so happiness mm-hmm. seems like a like a weird elusive thing that you're super uh, suspicious about. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it. You know, I have a, a question. And so in your community, um, where do you see that people tend to connect their happiness with? Like where, where would people say that they find happiness? Mm. Um, I would, well, the first thing that definitely would come to mind is, is church or just the things of God in general, uh, because, I mean, we are a very pious people mm. uh, and that's kind of just how it goes. And I think, yeah, there's definitely a reason for that. And part of the reason probably has to do with um, if, if you can't really rely on, on say the systems around you in your country, you can't really rely on that much. Then you just cling to God as tightly as you can and just trust him for your everything. And so people really have a heart um, for the things of God, at least it, it mm. definitely appears that way. And so that's the first thing that, that would come to mind. And it's, it's a question that I've definitely been thinking about for most of my life. Cause it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say because I was born and raised in the city, but I uh, would travel to my village fairly often. Cause my dad always wanted us to spend a decent amount of time there. And so I, I would remember as a kid, we'd be driving over and I would see just these kids kind of playing in the dirt. They, they have a stick and like a tire and they're just, hitting the tire around and they're just having the time of their life you know, mm-hmm. you know, in the dirt and everything. And it's like, well, honestly, you, you find the happiness in whatever mm-hmm. is around you. And you just kind of um, hope it at least takes you to the, to the next bus stop. Yeah. I was wondering, cause like, I think, um, you know, we, in a, in a separate interview that we had with um, an, another uh, Concordia student, Malik, that was um, from Saudi. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he had noticed how much emphasis we as Americans put on our work. And I think some people Mm -hmm. often find whether or not it actually brings them happiness. I kind of wonder that connection with feeling useful in working that Americans have that Mm -hmm. maybe that extra element. I guess what I'm trying to play around with and see if you have any thoughts related to this is I'm kind of wondering the that sort of that hate that was bubbling up in America when, when everybody couldn't work anymore or, or mm-hmm. work changed, mm-hmm. you know, they then, didn't know who they were. Yeah. They don't know who mm-hmm. they are. And then they're just, yeah. you know, they're frustrated and they're frustrated yeah. at the pandemic and they don't know how they're going to support their family because we also kind of live on a very thin margin. I think a lot of people do. Um, they don't have a lot of extra savings or a way to, you mm-hmm. know, hold themselves over to, cr- to try to keep up the lifestyles that they're trying to constantly, you know, I don't know, maintain. But I wonder mm-hmm. if if that was sort of maybe a, a, a way of that sort of that fear and that anger yeah. coming out mm-hmm. in America. And when you know. haven't learned how to enjoy a stick and a tire, exactly, then you're super sad when you can't get the new PlayStation, right? You know, or, or what, whatever those things are we thought we were supposed to find our happiness in. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. don't have, I mean, some places in America we do, but there, there is a, a problem for a lot of folks of not having a village that is a village. Like right. maybe I grew up in Mission Viejo, but it's not my village. That's just mm-hmm. the people's storage where my family ended up after moving here from, you know, Colorado or something. And I'm, 
I'm also curious, like when with your with your community, did they ever shut down church? If or were they always meeting, but just mm-hmm. finding other ways to meet, or just with masks? Or uh, yeah, uh, if if I remember correctly, because this was a few months. Oh, ago you were when gone still, too. Yeah, when yeah when I was still yeah when I was still gone, I think they did shut down church services for a little bit. Uh, they basically well they put everyone on lockdown basically, so no one could really go out except at certain times of the evening. So I don't think church. Um, church programs were happening um but i'm not 100 percent sure what was happening then because mm-hmm. i was yeah i was focusing on other things um so yeah i think church did go off for a little bit yeah so so i want to talk about the tough stuff about i want to talk about the stuff tough stuff about race in america we had this problem you know, we had this problem of the police violence we had on social media a kind of obligation so you're talking about how Americans that you saw, and I, and I see a great deal of goodwill in this from you. It's not like you're trying to be critical, but you're seeing that that we've kind of brought the toxin into ourselves. So instead of saying, I hate this thing, but the hate is what starts to grow in us, and that that has this negative effect on our, our, our faces and our disposition and all this. But um, from your perspective, What's your take on the state of race relations in America? I know it's a big, that's a big question, <laughs> Yes, <please. laughs> but I mean, how would you characterize it? Well, it's, it, yeah, it, it, interesting question. I think that there are probably a few ways I could try to answer it. And one of them would be from the, pers- from the point of view of a black person, because, well, well, for the listeners who might not know, I happen to be black, so that's mm. cool. Uh, yeah, I found that out like four years ago. There's this great quote from, I think, <laughs> Chiamanda Ngoziadiche that she didn't know she was black until she left Nigeria. I think she mm. went to the U.S. or something. And mm. that's pretty much how it goes. Uh, yeah, so I figured I found that out about four years ago. So that was really good to know. But I think... How did you find out? Like in, in practical terms, how'd you find out? <laughs> Honestly, it was just kind of a little uh, weird brain blip realization thingy because it's like oh there are so many different types of people here uh, with different skin colors and different nationalities and different all sorts of things and so because uh, over here black is the default nigeria is the largest right. collection of black people in the world so all my teachers all my friends like most of the people i had met um i had a few friends from outside the country but most of them were all my friends were like me and so it was just kind of a weird thing to just realize but then i basically moved on and just kept going with it because i I know I don't let such things weigh me down too much, um, but it's it's definitely interesting because I guess one question I've been asked is if I've experienced a whole lot of racism in my time here because I think mm-hmm. that's a natural question some people want to know, and that's it's a, it's an odd question for me because maybe it's the it's the Irvine nature of it all or the or or something, but I. My default answer is probably going to be no, like not really. Nothing has really bothered me. But part of the reason why I don't really trust that answer is because I have uh, notoriously thick skin about such things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, make, I make somewhat inappropriate jokes every now and then. So I, I understand mm-hmm. the, 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 the just nature of it all. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose people have said some things to me that other people have interpreted as... Uh, horribly racially charged but i just thought i mean i i maybe even thought it was funny in the moment that's just right how, right how, how i handle things and that made me realize that there really definitely is a a um i don't want to call it a lack of reliability but i might call it that in my perspective uh from a black person's mm-hmm. perspective because mm-hmm. i think i'm too i don't know there's something odd about my personality that maybe makes me not the best uh, point of reference for mm. understanding such things. Cause I tend not to take things personally. So that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, so that's a weird one to answer as for the state of race relations in general. Uh, before I started really thinking about this article uh, before last summer, how I might've answered this question is uh, I think that people are perhaps channeling the wrong spirits in order to fight uh, the the powers of racism in this country. Mm. Um, and 
that's something I've been thinking about for a while, even before the article, even though that's basically the point I make in the article. But yeah, no, that's, a, think, that's an interesting way to say it. I think that's, that's yeah. some good. Keep going. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause it's interesting to think about. Cause if, I mean, if you look at it as, as a battle of spirits for some reason, if you choose to look at it that way, then if there's this spirit that's defined of evil, of hatred, of prejudice, that is racism, then if you want to fight against it, you need to channel something else to be, on your side. And I think that if people were channeling the spirit of goodness and love and justice, basically the spirit of God, if people were chan- channeling that in order to fight this evil, I don't think things would look as horrible as they do. Mm. And so that's what makes me think that they're probably channeling something else, but I'm not entirely sure what that thing is. Um, and it's unfortunate because I think that that there are so many good people on different in different places on the American political spectrum, but it's weird that I have no problem seeing the good people, but a lot of people I know really find it hard to to mm-hmm. see the people they disagree with as good people mm-hmm. and um that's that's been a weird thing for for me to 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 experience mm-hmm. um because essentially, when I first moved here, I got the impression, like to speak candidly, that oh, basically the way it works is that well, the liberals aren't really racist; the Republicans are super racist. So that's basically how it goes. And so I thought, okay, that's cool. I have no reason to not believe that, so I'm just going to go along with it. And then I guess one day I just kind of thought about it, and I was like, wait, if the country is kind of split half and half, does that mean that half the country is just horribly racist and probably wants to I don't know, hate my guts? And so I felt. I think I would have noticed by now if that's kind of how it was. I think there might be something else going on. And so I found a lot of disagreements between people, but the core of what people believe and are fighting for, it's it's very similar things, uh, but there's still a lot of of conflict between them. Mm. Um, and so that's that's also something that, that probably weirded me out. Mm. Um, yeah, that's people people on the right and left mm-hmm. if we use those terms frustrated that they don't have the the voice that they want in politics, frustrated about corruption, frustrated that it's hard to feed their families, uh frustrated that it's hard to get health care, all these things, but they see the enemy as the other guy, mm-hmm. you know, the other party that's keeping them from all of that through whatever reason. It might be too much immigration or bad economic policy, but you, I think you're right. Did you want to say something, Stacey? Because it's yeah. no, I, I was just curious. Um, did you travel outside of California at all when you were here? Uh, I did. I've been to a few different states here. Um, so I was just, I was just the reason we're asking <laughs> is that you know we've we've had you know better experiences in some parts of the country, and that's so good. Depends, yeah. you know, on where it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but I'm, I was just curious, yeah no yeah. I'm really interested though in this this question of the spirits and I think mm-hmm. that that's an incredibly helpful way of talking about it and I'd say if you're a listener and you're an atheist it's still a helpful way of talking about mm-hmm. it because I think it's 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 a it's a way to 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 have like a symbol or some kind of way of thinking about how this actually works as we as we engage people culturally before I get to the American side of things and the gods that I think live here. Um, even though, you know, you're saying, you know, in Nigeria, everybody's really active in church. I know that in, in some places, um, you still have, um, a lot of traditional African religion that can exist alongside of that. This happens in all cultures, Mm -hmm. but to what extent is, you know, um, well, we would call it Yoruba, I think, but what, what would you, Mm -hmm. what would you say is the kind of the prevalence of, traditional African religion alongside Christianity in your experience growing up? Yeah, well, well, the way Nigeria sits right now, it's pretty much split in the middle between Christians and Muslims. And then there is, at least on paper, a small percentage of people who still practice super traditional things. But I say on paper because it's... I don't know how reliable the data is because yeah. I'm pretty sure that a lot more people practice some shady things on the side and they kind of probably do it hand in hand with their Christianity right. or their Islam because it's yes. probably just a traditional thing at that point. Um, with my personal experiences, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories from, I guess, my parents, from 
them growing up in the villages and just kind of how things were there. Uh, like I said, I grew up in a city, so city people kind of have their own thing going on. And so we don't really pay a whole lot of attention to such things. Um, so as far as I know, I mean, a lot of things definitely happened in villages when my parents were younger, things were really active then. I think as people started moving out and going to cities and actually doing jobs and stuff like that, people kind of relaxed a little bit on such things. At least that's mm. my that's my theory. Uh, and so these days, yeah, there are definitely still people who do those things, but it's it's pretty hard to to catalog things like that. So it's hard to say how how active those right. things still are. Well, let me ask it this way then. That's, that, that's very helpful the way you, you've described this. But when you're talking about channeling these spirits, mm-hmm. I don't, even as I look at the Hebrew Bible, the, uh, the way the Israelites dealt with the question of one God and the gods, mm-hmm. we sometimes think, well, uh, especially in Western, especially like more modern European Western conceptions, they recognize that spirits are mentioned in the Bible, but we don't actively think of them as, as part of the conversation, right? So we've taken the spirits out and even in the West, especially in the West, there's at least a, a, a a good amount of, of it. That's very cognitive. And even the Holy spirit is something that we believe in, but we don't leave a lot of room for this kind of talk, right. Of the Holy spirit, or if the Holy spirit is something, it's more of um, a metaphor for lively worship rather than actively an active spiritual presence in the world. But Christians historically, of course, believe in spirits, good spirits mm-hmm. and bad spirits. We call them angels yeah. and demons, but that's just a word, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they yeah. could be, we could call them Orishas or we could call them uh, gods. We could, we could call them jinn. You know, mm-hmm. but like, but there's this concept. Um, so, does that ring a bell? In other words, when you're talking about Christianity, yes. is is like the the spirits are still real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think it, that's probably a consequence of I would say the breed of Christianity that I grew with, that I grew up with slash that, that we practice here because we pray a lot about a lot of things, and some of the language used in prayer involves kind of. Uh, maybe hindering or punishing or trying to stop spirits. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a spirit of everything that's negative. There's a spirit of poverty, a spirit of divorce, a spirit of basically anything you can Mm -hmm. imagine on the planet. Um, Especially the negative ones definitely have spirits. And so we're constantly in this battle with spirits. And that's a lot of uh, why a lot of people have really active prayer lives because you need to pray against these spirits so they don't mess everything up. And I didn't really think of it that way, but that's probably how, why it's my brain actually envisioned Mm. this as a spirits thing, because uh, I would probably say, well, yeah, there's a spirit of racism, right? Like that Mm -hmm. comes from somewhere Mm -hmm. and, and spirits fight spirits. Like we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Like these are other things. Like you don't just walk up to a spirit and try to punch him in the face. You need to have another spirit behind you to, to, give you the strength to overcome uh and the at least here the way it it works out in the christian sense is that whatever spirits exist all of them fall down at the presence of the spirit of god and so that's like the ultimate that's the ultimate power and so i think that for a spirit is as powerful as racism because if racism comes from hate and as far as i'm concerned the spirit of hate would probably be one of the strongest um, and most ancient of the spirits, if yes. you know, the spirits have different ages. So I think if if people want to go up against that, then they better have something really strong at their side. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that it's easy to be to be consumed by the thing you're trying to fight if you go up against it unprepared. Mm. And I think that's really what prompts a lot of this because it at least seems to me that people are probably being consumed by such things because uh, usually when i when i try to to write down some of my thoughts on these things or i try to talk to people about things i'm thinking about uh, i always just wonder well i it, it seems as though my approach might be counterproductive because it's like there's a battle out there that needs to be fought right and everyone else seems to be wanting to go get their hands dirty and and fight the fight but then i just kind of sit there and 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 think about things and i wonder Mm -hmm. well maybe is that even the is 
how how meaningful is that approach when there's a battle that's happening right in front of me, right at right outside my doors? And ultimately, the reason why I keep going is because it really does bother me because it seems as though uh, it's almost a losing battle. I don't think that that people are really getting the 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 victories they need out of this, and it mm. looks to me like a lot of people really are getting consumed in the battle with these spirits because the thing that's backing them up really isn't sustaining them. Mm. Um, I can't tell you how helpful that is. That's, that's the best way to put it because, because so Stacy and I have kind of come to this idea that America has this weird to keep going with your language, um, this weird desire when it's afraid, I think Mm. to turn to what we'll call, Molech, uh, the ancient uh, spirit in the ancient Near East that um, demanded that babies be sacrificed. So human sacrifice in the, what the Christians call the Old Testament Hebrew Bible. Um, now they wouldn't consciously say that. Well, probably. Well, yeah, but I mean, so but but when you're afraid, it usually turns out that when people are afraid, they turn to this scary underworld spirit that they they know isn't nice. They know isn't loving but because it's powerful and cruel then they will be on the side of that guy to fight some other thing so if you want to fight the spirit of poverty you turn to the to this the this spirit of of cruel power mm. Mm. and um i'm not the first to come up with that term that was bertrand russell described it this way um alan ginsburg the poet but i i i think it's it's very helpful that people mm. in thinking that they're going to be spiritual, religious, they end up exchanging the worship of the true God of Yahweh for mm. this other false God. Mm. And you see it in the Old Testament. They did it in Jeremiah and as Isaiah, Solomon himself allows uh, one of his uh, or more of his wives to, to, you know, encourage this, this type of practice, this, this mm -hmm. practice that's around the world, human sacrifice, all, all continents except for Antarctica. <laughs> and, um, so you've got that. There's the spirit of of cruel power, and then there's also a worship of what I'll call another another god of mammon. So you've got mammon, which is greed and wealth, and this is also something that I can have to give me safety. So whenever I want to know that I'm going to be happy and secure in a scary world, I can turn to one of those two spirits. But the but the price is your soul. Mm. Not even not even if we don't think about heaven and hell for a second here. But the price in this world even begins. Are you, are you opposing evil with the Holy Spirit, the mm -hmm. spirit of love and compassion and mm -hmm. truth, you know, and, and sometimes it's going to be bold, but it's a, it's a different kind of thing. And I, and I think I know this to be true when Stacy and I, we were driving down the road the other day and I saw a guy and, you know, I'm into motorcycles, but there was this guy with a motorcycle helmet and a lot of the imagery from these biker gangs is... Mm -hmm. Um, appealing to the devil himself, right? Like the mm -hmm. hell's there's angels. One, about Lu Lucifer, right? The, we're not trying to tick off all you yeah, biker gangs. No. I understand, like Lucifer's, <laughs> like Legion or something, whatever. Um, but what, I was realizing you know. that if I read that, you know, um, there's the tendency that that could even like maybe spark fear in me that this is mm -hmm. somebody that wants to be of Lucifer, and I yeah. don't mean to don't agree with that or want to connect with that. And so my instinct might be to stay away from this motorcyclist who, mm -hmm. you know, it chooses to be a part of this spirit, right? Or whatever that spirit but is. But you were speculating as to why. Well, because if we fear that person, if we fear what they, what spirit they're drawing off of, then we'll leave them alone, that they, mm -hmm. they will seem more powerful and mm -hmm. will not want to mess with them or stop them from what they're doing because they might actually do something harmful to me. And I think, yeah, and I think he's probably doesn't get down on his knees and worship the Lord of the underworld, <laughs> yeah, probably not. but that imagery is helpful. And then in a very, in a very real way, I think that's what I started to see I, I, to your point. Uh, mm -hmm. What I started to see with a lot of, you know, a lot of Americans, um, you channeling that hate because they're afraid and they think, well, the, the more I can fire that up, maybe I'll win or maybe mm -hmm. the bad guys that are going to hurt me. Mm -hmm whatever it would be. It's like, are they going to ruin America? Are they yeah. killing babies? Are they putting babies in cages? Whoever the bad guy is, I got to get a big angry demon 
to fight yeah. my battles. But yeah. now I'm yeah. now I'm enslaved by this thing. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting point because that's getting me thinking about a few things from just the course of my life. I remember as a kid in Sunday school, they'd make us pray a lot. So public prayer, you'd come up and then people would give prayer requests and then you'd pray. So that's how they would kind of coach us in prayer. And I remember this one day, a kid went up and um, for some reason, this other kid told him to pray for the armed robbers, like all the thieves. I don't really know mm. why. And so as he was praying, he was going on and then he was like, yeah, God, you pray for the armed robbers. Uh, I pray that you kill all of them. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> then the, the teacher the teacher stopped and was like, no, we don't pray for armed robbers to die. We pray for God to turn their lives around and kind mm-hmm. of change them and make them better people. And so I remember that experience is, okay, uh, you don't use prayer for that because you're praying to God and you don't you don't want God to do that. Now, now fast forward a few years and uh, for the past uh, decade or maybe more than that, uh, Nigeria has been fighting terrorists, Boko Haram, who have been doing cool terrorist stuff. Yeah. And, Real and when they first when they first started doing stuff, I remember, you know, all the churches in the country were, just were praying a lot. And at least in my church in particular, we'd basically pray for, well, God to, you know, protect his people and for God to really just help us out. Um, if we ever prayed for the members of the sect specifically, it was really just God turned their life around type thing. Um, then there was this one day where one of the elders in my church, who I respect very much, uh, began to pray. And he started saying that God should basically, I still remember his words, he said God should turn the oxygen they breathe into carbon dioxide so that oh. they all die. Very um, specific. And, and scientifically very, astute, by the way. Very Probably theologically problematic. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it, a, a debate kind of broke, broke out among a lot of members in my church because some people are like, no, we don't do this as Christians because that's not how we pray. And some other people were of the opinion that, well, I mean, we're this is spiritual warfare and we have to treat it like a war and you do what you do during a war and are kind of evoking images of old Testament God, you know, smiting people and stuff like that. And people I respected on both sides were arguing for both points. And at the time, the way I saw it was, it looks as though we're basically saying, well, we tried the God thing, the God way, and it wasn't really working. So now Mm -hmm. we kind of need to, to, to amp it up a little bit and try mm. to, to channel at least a different side of God. Cause I think that that is probably one of the, the complicated things about the whole hating evil and loving good thing, because maybe the two are connected because they're both literally sides of the same God. Uh, cause there's nothing, cause you know, the whole hating, hating evil thing. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like one of the questions I pose in, in my essay is, well, what shall we say about people who claim that they hate racism, right? Is the hatred they're using to hate racism the same as the hatred that the racists used to be racist? I think the question was something like that. And I mean, I would probably say that I hate racism. <laughs> so right. I'm, it's like, I'm not one of those people because it just, something about it makes more sense than just walking into a room and being like, yeah, I love justice and equality so much. Like, it sounds like you're talking about two different things. No. And so. Yeah. One of the things that comes, came to mind when, as you're thinking about all this is, um, and you mentioned about how big that, that spirit is the spirit of racism and, and, and then that hate. And then I was thinking of like, what is, you know, what, kind of is at that a little bit. And I, I kind of think that fear of the other is part of where racism comes in. Um, when you are afraid of people that, you know, that are, are different than you and, and it can be in all different forms. Um, you know, so it's not even just, you know, in racism only, you know, yeah, um, so definitely a fear based thing. So what I'm saying is, is that when you think of, um, you know, the, the spirit of racism and, mm. and what is, and what is hate. And I think hate often comes from, um, you know, like self-loathing. Yeah. That fear, well, the, mm. the fear of other, the fear of something mm-hmm. other than you. And that often I, I see that I've seen a connection. If somebody doesn't know how to love themselves, mm-hmm. um, perhaps they're even their own family members, maybe sometimes they're your own children. How could they possibly, um, love something even outside of, that mm-hmm. you know that even that smaller yeah. group you know and outside of yourself and so i guess what i'm saying is is perhaps the battle and i well i know also in america a lot of times people go to church not so much because they love god although they 
probably would say they do if you asked them, but I think they're dry, a lot of times the, the driving motivation to go to church is because they're afraid of going to hell if they mm. didn't go to church. And and so, I was just kind of curious in your own version or Christianity that you said, you said you've been exposed to, you know. Growing up. Yeah, growing up. Um, where does sort of. Punishment. Yeah, the fear of hell <laughs> come into people going to church versus the emphasis mm-hmm. of loving God and kind of where do you see that play out maybe in that dynamic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely... I, we were told about hell a lot as kids growing up. Uh, that's just kind of part of the way we roll over here. And there is there is this emphasis on on figures and concepts from the Old Testament that seem to be very foundational to just the way we, we, we practice uh, our, our Christianity over here. I think that we it's possible that we see similarities between our world and say the world of the old Testament, as it were, I think maybe that's why we make those connections because, you know, we believe in all these other gods that are around us trying to do things. And so those themes pop up in the old Testament fairly often. And the idea of, you know, God's people really needing him to, 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 to avenge them and, and fight for them and fight with them and all that stuff. And God going with them into weird lands where things are kind of terrible. Yeah, that's things I think we can relate to. And that's why we really pick on those stories. And so the hell thing, I've heard so many different things about hell, Mm. so many different versions of things about hell. Uh, I don't know if people still do this, but I remember at one point, there were a lot of these little booklets going around of people who said that they died and then they saw yes. hell and then they, they <laughs> came to tell us, came to tell us what's up and people would eat that stuff up. Not to say it's not true, you know, who am I to that these things aren't true, but you know, it was just, it was an interesting. Some time. of them turned out to be fraudulent. There's <laughs> that's, that's, I find that hard to believe anyways, but yeah, it's, it, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. And so we, we'd hear of those stories and people would make just straight up movies about, hell stuff so that what would they tell you about hell when they were telling the stories like yeah yeah it it really was weird how much detail they would give which is kind of (laughs) super spooky uh one of them that comes to mind uh this i think it was a little girl or something because she met jesus and jesus was showing her around and so she says that well even though there's a lot of fire in hell and it's super hot, it's pitch black. There's, you can't see anything. And the only reason she could see something was because Jesus was right next to her. So he kind of illuminated the place. Mm-hmm. And so basically when Jesus was there walking through it, that was like the first time anyone there saw anything in like so long. And so huh. I just thought, well, that that's just creepy. Like, that's okay. I that's very specific as well. <laughs> yeah. Actually very kind specific, of yeah. sounds kind of, intriguing yeah, <laughs> like dark, scary. But fiery. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I mean, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound untrue like it's not it, it's it's weird mm. to say um and so it, it's things like that it's there's just it's just constant torture they talk about how your your limbs and everything they regenerate because you you don't die and so whatever happens to you happens just constantly all the time over and over <laughs> again and there's just that would be hell <laughs> yeah, that that would be hell and then it's just a it's a burning sensation and just kind of things like that. So they would definitely scare us a lot with hell stuff. Uh, and that's kind of, that's just kind of how we roll, I suppose. <laughs> the whole hating, evil, loving, good thing is, has been such a weird question to me because I keep thinking of all these other uh, parallels, all these other similar questions of two things that are basically the same thing, but are not. Uh, and as I think of more, it kind of helps me answer the question a little better. There's a difference between uh, living in order to achieve heaven versus living in order to avoid hell. Right. And I think even though if you achieve heaven, you automatically avoid hell. And if you avoid, if you achieve hell, you automatically avoid heaven. And they're connected in that sense. But the two things aren't the same thing. Um, and one mm-hmm. of the things I point out in the article is perhaps the difference comes in the way you choose to act in the world as a result of what's fueling you. And I think that there is a difference between aiming for the, the, the presence of God versus simply just trying to avoid uh, being in the presence of the devil. Um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with, with loving good versus, versus hating evil. Mm-hmm. Yes. With Lao Tzu, he talks about 
basically that with it, when it comes to war, that we should treat it like a funeral. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what it is that you're fighting and if you're, you're treating like you're coming to a funeral and that normally, like you're saying, like Lao Tzu would say, the side that loses its compassion is the side that loses mm-hmm. um, overall, whether or not maybe even if you actually do win the war, um, if you've lost your compassion, what did you really win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing too, because you mentioned, you know, the idea of like fighting and wars, um, but, you know, the idea again, Approaching it like a funeral is what he would say. If you have to fight something, it's because you want to actually not, you know, it's out of love for your brother or sister that you're you're coming to that point and that you need to, you know, maybe make changes or whatever, but it's not, you know, this triumphant, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, it came to mind when you were saying about um, praying to God about killing people, (laughs) you know, and so it's like that, that's, I see as a big difference. Mm. Yeah. And the and the and the thing is, what you're giving us in, in in terms of your observations is this gift of realizing that uh, by failing to understand kind of the the two sides of that, we are kind of taking on some of that negativity, those negative spirits into ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think that it's okay, right? Like in the in the Hebrew Bible, you have the psalmist will say. Uh, you know, hey, you know, uh, smite my enemies. They do say it. That's what you that you're yeah. mentioning it. Yeah. But to be able to only live there, or to or to rely on that as your as your main nourishment, seems yeah. problematic. Yeah. I think it, it's it's especially complicated when the rationale for relying on that is that well, we've been doing the the passive the passive Christianity. We, that's all we've been doing. The love your neighbor thingy, and it's like, well, we don't seem to be getting anywhere for it. Uh, and so we need to resort to something else. And so one thing that I say sometimes is that it's almost as though people are like, okay, God, just like take, just take a few minutes off. We're going to invite the devil because he seems to be more proactive with certain things. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when he gets it done, then we come back and do the whole Jesus-y thing. Uh, and it seems as though that's always going to be a struggle because it's possible that, I mean, all of these battles, we're never going to eradicate evil from the face right. of the earth. So it's almost as though uh, if if we go the God way of things, we're really mm-hmm. just doing that in order to focus on eternity and what happens after earth. But if we want uh, the type of change that we want to see, uh, obviously God can do it. You know, the Christian God is all powerful, but it's almost as though if you want more um, immediate results that are more in line with what you want, it kind of makes sense that, you might want to. And dude, do you know who said that? Something else. Do you know who said that? The German, the German Lutherans under the, the Nazi regime. Mm-hmm. Basically, what mm-hmm. they were saying is, hey, listen, uh, it's, this, it's this weak aspect of Jesus ethic that is what's making Germany weak. We need the, the, like a manlier, stronger, um, uh, more powerful kind of religion. And so, in many ways, you saw the return of... Uh, of a kind of paganism, there was like a there was like a paganism that was resurgent within Nazi Germany because it it kind of gave them that Viking spirit to use the language we were talking about. expression of you know or an example of how let's say other students or people your age that you knew in america expressed their engagement with these issues say online um you know you're talking about the the god of hate hating bad things hating injustice how did they how did that kind of express itself in like social media mm-hmm. well, what did you notice there um well, there are well, there are a lot of accounts on. Well, I'm fairly active on Instagram, but I really only do my music things on Instagram. Uh, and so, there are a lot of accounts on Instagram that are politically, hmm, politically based, centered, inspired, I suppose. And uh, there's a lot of reposting. Uh, people repost a lot of things that 
that accounts like that post about social issues. Uh, one thing that I found pretty interesting is over the summer, last summer, one of the things I did was a few of my friends who posted a lot of things each day, I basically just, you know, hit them up and said, you know, we should FaceTime because I want to talk about all the things that they're posting. And it's so interesting because it's almost, it's easy to forget that these people are still individuals because it's Mm. easy to forget that when everyone is using the exact same terms, the exact same language, all Mm. of these things. Because I would talk to people and it's like, well, I mean, they, they in parentheses believe what they're posting, but they can see the the somewhat weirdness of of mm. some of the things that they're saying or some of the things that they are being say coerced to say by by mm. whoever. Uh, and I think when you really pick people apart from the noise, like it's people are a lot more than what they post. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't post because I mean I can see any why I don't post my politics say on Instagram because I can see all of these little quotes about all sorts of things but they never do justice to what i actually think or believe about anything they don't do justice to doing justice (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so i figure i'm not going to i'm not going to to just condense my thoughts into a little picture even if it's kind of close to what i'm thinking i'm not going to do that because as far as i'm concerned it's not going to be really close to the truth uh, and so I've always been super open about talking about such things. I can talk people's ear off if they want me to about things like that. Cause that's the best I can do. Mm. Uh, I can invite people to try and figure stuff out with me, but the, the social media, uh, version of, of, I guess, activism, um, it's definitely not for me. I think it definitely has its problems. I think most people can see its problems, but, uh, people probably go with it anyways, cause uh, there really aren't that many obvious options. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You you want to have a real relationship, a real conversation right. if you're going to get anywhere. And I think yeah. it doesn't take a genius to know that that's right. It just takes somebody who's got the right heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's a matter of patience. Right. Well, and that, and that really is a true expression of, of loving your brother or your sister when you're, you know, willing to invest time in them and, and sort of get, to the you know thought mm-hmm. you know thinking through what they're what they believe or what they're saying and then help mm-hmm. you know help maybe weed out some of the inconsistencies and find again yeah. what's at that core which is exactly what you're saying so that's that's a beautiful way of doing it to help and i think far more effective than your a little post on instagram mm-hmm. like you said right <laughs> more effective than any of it though in in my opinion is sometimes the way that we romance people into goodness truth and beauty through art and Mm. music. Mm -hmm. And although I still hold out this idea that I'm going to see you someday being the premier philosopher, you know, who's an expert (laughs) in, uh, in kind of understanding African philosophy and what it can contribute to the world. And of course, philosophy in general, I also wouldn't mind if you never did that and just kept making your beautiful music. Mm-hmm. So, so first of all, how can people, how can people follow you? Instagram, I'll have a link to it at protectyournoggin.org just so that people can uh, kind of see that. And you post, that is the refreshing part. Whenever I see y- in the feed, there'll be somebody with, um, yeah, like some kind of symbolic patriotism or symbolic um, revolution and then you change my heart with some beautiful, beautiful music. Mm. And you play multiple instruments. Um, uh, so first of all, is there anything else? Is there any other way for people to follow your music? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for all of that. Uh, I'm, horrible with, I'm horrible with compliments. but mm-hmm. Me you. too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my Instagram, I do a lot of tiny fun things on there fairly often uh other than that it's really i have my spotify um uh i'm going to my plan is to release a lot more music this year and it'll be on spotify and apple music and wherever else people listen to music so i think all of my names are really just 
my name. So yep. Godesolo. Yeah. So that I'm helps. The only one that'll pop. Yeah. I'm probably. <laughs> Stacy's favorite musician is a guy named Mike Love, <laughs> who's a reggae musician from 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 uh, Hawaii, but mm-hmm. he has the same name as a guy named Mike Love that was in the Beach Boys. Totally different. <laughs> different just, music. It makes it different. so hard. And then you Google somebody. Yeah. And then a couple yeah. weeks ago, we interviewed uh, the Lewises, and and there's like 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 three different Laurie, Laurie or Lorraine or something Lewises that that are in music and opera and stuff. So so good for you. <laughs> That'll yeah, help. I'm really looking forward to it. And then yeah. for our listeners, we'll we'll always retweet uh, and uh, and pass on that that information when it comes out. Um, but when you think about music, what first of all, what drew you to it, and how do you think? You know, obviously, there's just you enjoy the art, but how do you think it's it's a, a healing force mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in the world? I think I would definitely say that uh, what drew me to music and what makes me just love it so much is the fact that when I when I made a connection to music, it's as though all of the theoretical aspects of my faith became more personal, more mm. real, and I could actually kind of understand them better. Because as a kid in Sunday school, they bombard us with all sorts of things. We memorize chunks of scripture. We know the stories. That's just kind of how it goes. But as it, as uh, these things often are, at some point, you kind of need to have that personal connection and choose to do certain things. And so when I first started having musical experiences, I thought, is this like, because I've heard about being moved by the spirit. And mm-hmm. I remember feeling, it's like, I can't describe the feeling. And I thought, is this what it means to be moved by the spirit? And then I just want this to happen every, just every day. Uh, and it would be an absolute honor if something I do makes somebody feel something close to that. Uh, and so understanding music in that sense, just, hmm. it that's, I can't say much about music. It's just, it's divine. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, and so I think perhaps that that might be what helps me keep a level head relatively speaking (laughs) when I do all sorts of things. Uh, the fact that I always have my music to fall back on and relax to, and just Mm. calm me. Uh, I don't even want to think of how I would function if I never went into Mm. the whole music thing. Mm. So maybe that helps me. Um, I think it's definitely, I mean, it's a cliche that music is a universal language, but there definitely is something to that. Like people have such fascinating religious experiences as a result of music. And it's something that on some level we can all, we can all relate to. And so I think it's an absolute honor to be able to, to, to channel the unexplainable Weird. Yeah. The spirit. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And, and music, yeah, music Rhythm has the tone. ability to take you to a different time, a different place, you know, from whenever yeah. you've heard it, you know, and, and it, it can transport you <laughs> in so many different places. It, yeah, yeah. it really does. Just, and in very concrete ways, mm-hmm. it has, it's not solved all the world's problems, but it has mm-hmm. changed things for the better. You know, arguably, US and Soviet relations improved through a little thing called, you know, jazz. Um, the, the, the fact is even in the South, when, when black and white young people got together, it was through music. It wasn't through political ideas. The political ideas might've motivated or followed from it, but I really think that's a nice way for us to kind of come full circle. We were talking about people that have the spirit of anger in them and this way of music pointing us back towards goodness, truth, and beauty, I think mm-hmm. is a really good way for us to think about maybe not the only way for us to heal, but it's, it's the kind of way that we heal mm-hmm. through that shared art, that shared beauty that we can see together and, and, uh, and redirect ourselves away from, from that pain. Thank you so much for being with us, my man. Yeah. Yes, thank you so thank much you. for having me. It's such a pleasure to meet you. (laughs) Anytime you got something to chat about, just let us know because this is easy. And now there's no, uh, there used to be when when you were a baby, there was a thing called long distance fees. So you have to pay like, if I wanted to just talk to you for five minutes, it would cost me 20 bucks. Now I got to have this computer that broke on me my f my there's a button on my f button doesn't work. So I've been emailing all morning with synonyms. (laughs) 
for words that start with F. Got to fix that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We'll see thank you next. You so much. Thank you for having me. Great. Peace upon peace to you and everybody in Nigeria and around the world. Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect, since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP. And rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said that wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter low too much.